They're here, everyone. They are the smart kids at the shops with their mothers or fathers, riding their bikes around the streets and playing down by the river, as well as talking to their friends on their smartphones. Join the smart kids each week as they discover, explore, and solve the mysteries of today. Here's your host, J.T. Crowley. Morning, and welcome to the next podcast. Now, last week, I told you the story of Blix, my little Swedish girl. And if you had the opportunity to go and listen to it, you'll see that it was all about Blix, who wants to be a journalist. And with her friends, Ulla and Bigo, they start to investigate, or want to investigate, all about her father's disappearance, who is a TV anchorman and who's been a investigative journalist for a long time, and he's disappeared. And the story is all about you know, who's behind his disappearance and why. So this will be a fantastic scoop for her and set her on the road for being a professional journalist. That's what she wants to be. And I said at the end of the podcast that that was the end of the the Nordic kids, because there were only five countries in the Nordic countries. And so we've done a little short story, a a character from each of those countries, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, Finland and Denmark. So I said next week, well, I might be doing some interviews with authors or I might just do some readings. And having thought about it, I've opted to do some readings. I thought and I have looked around and I've decided to read from Kenneth Graham's The Wind in the Willows. It's a marvellous book. It's, oh, it's a really enchanting children's story. I loved it when I was a child and it's all about the adventures of the four animals. You know, as I remember I said to you, you can do your characters um, you, you've got the tripod of characters, you've got your main character, and then you've got your sub-characters. I actually said to you also that your characters can be animals, and this book, The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham, the characters are animals. And you've got, you know, these, it focuses uh, on the four anthropomorphized animals. You've got mole, you've got rat. Now, rat isn't actually a rat. Rat is a, um, is a European water bowl. Then you've got toad, the frog, and then you've got badger. And they are all messing about on the river in their boat. This is what this wonderful story is all about. It's a fictional story. It's a story that um, the author just wanted you know, kids to enjoy. And I can remember when I was a child, although I wasn't a great reader, and I've always said that, but this is the one book that I really loved. So I thought I'm going to read um, you know, chapters from it so you can see why I liked the book. And it's, let's, let's, let me just cover off a few things here. So The Wind and the Willows is a children's book by Scottish novelist Kenneth Graham. And it was first published in 1908. And alternatively, slow-moving and it's fast-paced at times. And as I said, it focuses on the four anthropomorphized animals. Mole, rat, toad and badger. 
and it goes back to Edwardian times in England. This is when the story was written, because in 1908. And just to give you a bit of insight into the author himself, in 1908, uh, Graham retired from his position as secretary of the Bank of England, and he moved back to Berkshire, where he had lived as a child. And he spent his time by the River Thames, doing much as the animal characters in his book do, to quote, simply messing about in boats. And the stories came about because he, these were bedtime stories that he told his son Alistair. And he thought, why don't I write a book and let other children have the benefit of the stories that I told my son, all about the little animals messing about on the water's edge, down by the water. That's what it was all about. So, let's just go through, let's have a look at Mole. So, Mole. Mole meets rats. With the arrival of spring or fine weather outside, the good-natured Mole loses patience with spring cleaning. He has fled his underground home, emerging to take in the air and ends up at the river, which he has never seen before. Here he meets Rat, a water bowl, who at the time of the year spends all his days in on and close by the river. Rat takes Mole for a ride in his rowing boat. They get along well and spend more days boating, with Ratty teaching Mole the ways of the river, with the two friends living together in Ratty's riverside home. Then you've got Toad. You know, one summer's day, Rat and Mole disembark, disembark even, near the Grand Toad Hall, and pay a visit to Toad. Toad is rich, jovial, friendly and kind-hearted, but aimless and conceited. He regularly becomes obsessed with current fads, only to abandon them abruptly. Having recently given up boating, Toad's current craze is his horse-drawn caravan. He persuades the reluctant rats and willing mole to join him on a trip. Toad soon tires of the realities of camp life and sleeps in the following day to avoid chores. Later that day, a passing motor car scares the horse, causing the caravan to overturn into a ditch. Rat threatens to have the law on the car driver, while Mole calms the horse. But Toad's craze for a caravan travel is immediately replaced by an obsession with motor cars. And then as the book the story goes on, it goes on to the wild wards, and we start to meet Badger. And Badger is the grumpy Badger. And he um, lives deep in the woods, and he doesn't like visitors. doesn't like to be disturbed. And he says, yeah, he's the big, old, gruff badger. And I loved this story, so I'm actually going to read um, the best part of the first chapter. And that's, the chapter is called The River Bank. So if you ever get the opportunity to go and have a look at this book, please do. It's wonderful. Kids, oh, it's absolutely amazing. I know it's not stories of, you know, from today. They are stories of the past, but they are wonderfully written, beautifully told, and they're just fictional fantasy 
and just takes you out of this world into your own little dream boats. That's what I loved about this story. The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. So let's have a listen to the first chapter. See what you think. And I might, you know, read other chapters as we go through other podcasts. But let's have a listen. The mole had been working very hard all morning, spring cleaning his little home, first with brooms, then with dusters, then on ladders and steps and chairs, with a brush and a pail of whitewash, till he had dust in his throat and eyes and splashes of whitewash all over his black fur and an aching back and weary arms. Spring was moving in the air above, and the earth below and around him, penetrating even his dark and lonely little house with his spirit of divine discontent and longing. It was small wonder then that he suddenly flung down his brush on the floor and said, Oh, bother! And oh, blow! And also, hang spring cleaning, and bolted out of the house without even waiting to put on his coat. Something up above was calling him, imperiously, and he made for the steep little tunnel which answered, in his case, to the gravelled carriage drive owned by animals whose residents are nearer to the sun and air. So he scraped and scratched and scrambled and scrooged, and then he scrooged again and scrambled and scratched and scraped, working busily with his little paws and muttering to himself, Up we go, up we go! till at last, pop, he snapped, came out into the sunlight, and he found himself rolling in the warm grass of a great meadow. This is fine, he said to himself. This is better than whitewashing. The sunshine struck hot on his fur. Soft breezes caressed his heated brow, and after the seclusion of the cellarage he had lived in so long, the carol of happy birds fell on his dulled, hearing almost like a shout. Jumping off all his forelegs at once, in the joy of living and the delight of spring without his cleaning, he pursued his way across the meadow till he reached the edge on the further side. Hold up, said an elderly rabbit at the gap. Sixpence for the privilege of passing by the private road. He was bowled over in an instance by the impatient and contemptuous mob who trotted alongside the hedge, chafing other rabbits as they peeped hurriedly from their holes to see what the row was about. Onion sauce, onion sauce, he remarked cheerily, and was gone before they could think of a thoroughly satisfactory reply. Then they all started grumbling at each other. How stupid you are. Why didn't you tell him? Well, why didn't you say? You might have reminded him, and so on, in the usual way. But of course, it was then much too late, as is always the case. It all seemed too good to be true. Hither and thither through the meadows he rambled, busily along the hedgerows, across the copses, finding everywhere birds building, flowers budding, leaves thrusting and everything, happy and progressive and occupied. And instead of having an uneasy conscience pricking him and whispering, whitewash, 
he somehow could only feel how jolly it was to be the only idle dog among all these busy citizens. After all, the best part of a holiday is perhaps not so much to be resting yourself as to be all the other fellows busy working. He thought his happiness was complete then, and as it meandered aimlessly along, suddenly he stood by the edge of a full-fed river. Never in his life had he seen a river before. This sleek, sinuous, full-bodied animal, chasing and chuckling, gripping things with a gurgle and leaving them with a laugh, to fling itself on fresh playmates that shook themselves free and were caught and held again. All was a shake and a shiver, glints and gleams and sparkles, rustle and swirl, chatter and bubble. The ball was bewitched, entranced, fascinated. By the side of the river he trotted as one trots, when very small, by the side of a man who holds one spellbound by exciting stories. And when tired at last, he sat on the bank, while the river still chattered on to him, a babbling procession of the best stories in the world, sent from the heart of the earth to be told at last to the insatiable sea. As he sat on the grass and he looked across the river, a dark hole in the bank opposite, just above the water's edge, caught his eye. And dreamily he fell to considering what a nice snug dwelling place it would make for an animal with few wants and fond of a bijou riverside residence, above flood level and remote from noise and dust. As he gazed, something bright and small seemed to twinkle down in the heart of it, vanished, then twinkled once more like a tiny star. But it could hardly be a star in such an unlikely situation, and it was too glittering and small for a glowworm. Then, as he looked, he winked at him, and so declared itself to be an eye and a small face began gradually to grow up round it, like a frame round a picture. A brown little face with whiskers, a grave round face, with the same twinkle in its eye that had first attracted his notice. Small neat ears and thick silky hair. It was the water rat. Then the two animals stood and regarded each other cautiously. Hello, Mole said the water rat. Hello, rat, said the mole. Would you like to come over, inquired the rat presently. Oh, it's all very well to talk, said the mole, rather pettishly. He believed new to river and riverside life and its ways. The rat said nothing, but stooped and unfastened a rope and hauled on it, then lightly stepped into a little boat, which the mole had not observed. It was painted blue outside and white within, and was just the size of two animals, and the mole's whole heart went out to it at once, even though he did not yet fully understand its uses. The rat scullied smartly across and made fast. Then he held up his forepaw as the mole stepped gingerly down. Lean on that, he said. Now then, step lively. And the mole, to his surprise and rapture, found himself actually seated in the stern of a real boat. This has been a wonderful day, said he, as the rat shoved off and took to the schools again. Do you know, I've never been at a boat before in all my life. What? 
cried the rats, open-mouthed. Never been in a... You, no, what, what have you been doing then? It's so nice as all that, asked the mole, shyly, though he was quite prepared to believe it as he leant back in his seat and surveyed the cushions, the oars, the rowlocks, and all the fascinating fittings, and felt the boat sway slightly under him. Nice? It's the only thing, said the water rat, solemnly as he leant forward for his stroke. Believe me, my young friend, there is nothing, absolute nothing, half so much worth doing as simply messing about in boats. Simply messing, he went on dreamily, messing, messing about in boats, messing. Look ahead, rat, cried the mole suddenly. It's too late. The boat stuck the bank full tilt. The dreamer, the joyous oarsman, lay on his back at the bottom of the boat, his heels in the air. About in boats, or with boats. The rat went on composedly, picking himself up with a pleasant laugh. In or out of them, it doesn't matter. Nothing seems really to matter. That's the charm of it. Whether you get away or whether you don't, whether you arrive at your destination or whether you reach somewhere else or whether you never get anywhere at all. You're always busy and you never do anything in particular. And when you've done it, there's always something else to do. And you can do it as if you like. But you'd much better not. Look here. If you're really nothing else on this morning, supposing we drop down the river together and have a long day of it. The mole wagged his toes with sheer happiness, spread his chest with a sigh of full contentment and leant back blissfully into the soft cushions. What a day, I'm having, he said. Let us start at once. Hold hard a minute then, said the rat. He looped the painter through a ring in his landing stage, climbed up into his hole above, and after a short interval reappeared, staggering under a fat wicker luncheon basket. Shove that under your feet, he observed to the mole, as he passed it down into the boat. Then he untied the painter and took the skulls again. What's inside it? asked the mole, wriggling and with curiosity. There's cold chicken inside it, replied the rat briefly. Cold tongue, cold ham, cold beef, pickled salad, cress and sandwiches, potted meat, ginger beer, lemonade, soda. Oh, stop, stop, cried the mole in ecstasy. This is too much. Do you really think so, inquired the rat seriously. It's only what I always take on these little excursions. And the other animals are always telling me that I'm a mean beast and cut it very fine. The mole never heard a word he was saying. Absorbed in the new life he was entering upon, intoxicated with the sparkle, the ripple, the scents and the sounds and the sunlight. He trailed a paw in the water and dreamed long waking dreams. The water rat, like the good little fellow he was, sculled steadily on and forbore to disturb him. 
I like your clothes awfully, old chap, he remarked after some half an hour or so had passed. I'm going to get a black velvet smoking suit myself some day, as soon as I can afford it. I beg your pardon, said the mole, pulling himself together with an effort. You must think me very rude, but all this is so new to me. So, this is it a river? The river, corrected the rat. And you really live by the river? What a jolly life. By it, and with it, and on it, and in it, said the rat. It's brother and sister to me, and aunts and company, and food and drink, and, naturally, washing. It's my world, and I don't want any other. What it hasn't got is not worth having, and what it doesn't know is not worth knowing. Lord, the times we've had together, whether in winter or summer, spring or autumn, it's always got its fun and its excitements. When the floods are on the February and my cellars and basement are brimming with drink, that's no good to me, and the brown water runs by my best bedroom window. Or again, when it all drops away and shows patches of mud that smells like plum cake, and the rushes and the weed clog the channels, and I can potter about dry shod over most of the bed of it and find fresh food to eat and things careless people have dropped out of boats. But isn't it a bit dull at times, the mole ventured to ask, just you and the river and no one else to pass a word with? No one else to? Well, I mustn't be hard on you, said the rat with forbearance. You're new to it, and of course you don't know. The bank is so crowded nowadays with many people are moving away altogether, Oh, no, it isn't what it used to be at all. Otters, kingfishers, dab chicks, moorhens, all of them about all day long and always wanting you to do something, as if a fellow had no business of his own to attend to. What lies over there? asked the mole, waving a paw towards a background of woodland that darkly framed the water meadows on one side of the river. That... Oh, that's just the wild wood, said Ratty shortly. We don't go there very much. We river bankers. Aren't they? Aren't they very nice people in there, said the mole, in a trifle nervously. Well, replied the rat, let me see. The squirrels are all right, and the rabbits, some, um, but rabbits are a mixed lot. And then there's Badger, of course. He lives right in the heart of it. Wouldn't live anywhere else, either, if you paid him to do it. Dear old Badger, nobody interferes with him. They'd better not, he added significantly. Why? Who should interfere with him? asked the mole. Well, of course, there are others, explained the rat in a hesitating sort of way. Weasels and stoats and foxes and, and, and so on. They're all right in a way. I'm very good friends with them. Past the time of day when we meet and, and all that. But they break out sometimes. There's no denying it. And then, well, you can't really trust them. And that's the fact. Well, I said I'd read a little bit of the issue. And so I hope 
that was just part of the first chapter. And I just hope you get a, a little glimpse into seeing oh, what a wonderful um, story this is going to be. I will read more of it because A, I'm thoroughly enjoying going over the book again, looking at it, and I can just see the, the, the film, the picture of the weasels, the stoats, badger, toad, ratty, mole, all down by the riverside, in the woods, in the great toad hall. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. And yes, I'm going to read a lot more of it to you. But today's podcast was just all about giving you kids a little insight to the book itself. It's The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. Next week, I'll read a little bit more. I'll perhaps do another chapter. But for the time being, stay safe. And thank you once again for listening. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Smart Kids. Want to follow more of their adventures? Check out The Smart Kids by J.T. Crowley on Amazon.com now.